Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 Bonnie in the house. Happy to be here. This is one of our very longest-running SAP Game Changers radio shows. I think we're in Season 8. We've got a very interesting topic for you today. We're going to be talking about winning with data ecosystems, real innovation for value creation. Now, that topic, that title is loaded with buzzwords, but let me give you some background before I ask my three esteemed panelists to introduce themselves. So I have a buzz from a study by McKinsey.com. Listen up. Simply put, a data ecosystem is a platform that combines data from numerous providers and builds value through the usage of process data. Okay, that'll give you one definition. Here's another one. This is from a website called mixmixpanel.com. I found a blog at that site, and here's an interesting way to look at it. A data ecosystem is a collection of infrastructure, analytics, and applications used to capture and analyze data. Data ecosystems provide companies with data they rely on to understand their customers, that's what you all want to do, and to make better pricing, operations, and marketing decisions. I think that encapsulates the whole thing. So what are we talking about today with my guests? How can today's business organizations, and we're talking to you, our global listeners, finding us here on the Voice America Business Channel, how can today's business organizations solve important societal problems and offer participants and consumers more benefits? It's all about experiences and benefits today. The answer to this huge challenge, data ecosystems. Data ecosystems offer a new powerful way to achieve this and lay the foundation for real innovation. With the right approach, data ecosystems can be built within a short period of time, that's good news, and offer long-term opportunities for expansion and another buzz phrase, value creation. But uh, there's always a however, always a caveat. Building and leveraging the value of data ecosystems can be a challenge for some companies. You may be among the listeners today. We're talking to you. Leaders may hesitate due to the potential risks of sharing sensitive data with competitors and, uh uh-oh, potential hackers. Always a risk. We're going to talk today, too. I want my guests, for those of you who are going to see this video, Wolfgang Epting, would you wave hello, please, Wolfgang? There you go. There's Wolfgang. He calls himself a data enthusiast, and he's an SAP Solution Advisor Chief Expert. We also have Professor Dr. Christine Legner. Christine, wave hello. Academic Director of the Competence Center Corporate Data Quality. That's CC, space CDQ. That's a lot of Cs. Welcome, Christine. And we have Maria Villara, SAP Enterprise Data Management and Governance Innovator. Maria, wave hello again. Happy to have you back. Christine is new to the show. Wolfgang and Maria have been on several times. And I'm going to ask them for their take on winning with data ecosystems, real innovation for value creation. And before I go around the table, I want to do a shout out to Dana Corder at SAP, who is our showrunner. She's the one who manages and sets up these shows, and our longtime sponsor at SAP, Ira Burke. Thank you, Ira, every time you renew for another year. Ira Burke, thank you very much for renewing the series year after year, because the topics are always wonderful. Wolfgang, you're up first. Would you do me the honor, please? Wolfgang, there might be 10 people in the world who don't remember you from the last time you were on the show, so would you please talk to just those 10 people and tell them what you've been up to, what are you doing at SAP, and what do data ecosystems mean to you? What's your passion and why are you here? Welcome back, Wolfgang. 
Yeah, thank you very much, Bonnie. And yeah, so I think it's the first time now um, being part of your show. Um, I'm very happy uh, to be on a, um, again. So it was um, has always been the data that fascinated me from the start of my career. I uh, started as a database administrator as a small and medium um, business. I learned um, data from scratch. I learned to love data uh, later on. Um, I moved to um, IBM and um, from there on to Informatica. And now um, from SAP, I'm helping people to implement business outcome-driven data strategies. I'm a keynote speaker and um, a data enthusiast. Thank you. Wolfgang, what's your passion for this term we're using today, which is data ecosystems? What, what is, were my definitions right on, the ones I opened the show with? What do you think? Yes, um, I personally think um, that um, this is uh, the future. If we, if we think about um, maybe a level higher, we often talk about uh, digital ecosystems. We see a lot of things happen around the world. Um, so, for example, if you look at the GAIA-X movement here in Europe or the International Data Spaces Organization and um, all these uh, things, industry-specific initiatives um, for automotive industries or financial services. But um, if you come down a level uh, deeper, it's all about the data. So digital ecosystems won't um, work without uh, the data. So I think data ecosystems are a major and an integral point of this, um, of this uh, let me call it, of this new um, work paradigm. Thank you very much. Thanks for the expansion and clarification. We just want to know what you all think about this before we do a deep dive. Next up, to be introduced, Professor Dr. Christine Legner. Christine, welcome. Nice to meet you. We met on a prep call recently. So happy to have you here. And thank you for taking the time to join us today. Would you kindly introduce yourself to our audience since you're brand new to the show? Christine, go ahead. Yes, uh, so my name is Christina Lechner, as mentioned. I'm sitting at uh, the borders or shores of Lake of Geneva, as you may see in the background, um, if you're on video. Um, and um, I'm a professor at the Business School at University of Lausanne. And um, I'm also academic director of a real, very unique consortium of industry firms and academics that are passionate about data management and we are basically working with companies like Bosch, like Siemens, like Bayersdorf, uh, so typically the traditional companies on the way they manage data and we're working on management practices on concepts and tools. Um, and um, so my passion is basically about uh, looking at data, not only as a digital representation, but as an enterprise or a strategic resource in an enterprise. Um, and uh, we increasingly discover that, okay, it's not the data in a silo, but that we have to somehow share and open up data to actually get some innovation out of it. Uh, so that's why I'm here. I'm very uh, interested to see the discussion also and the different perspectives from my from you and the speakers here. Thank you very much. You're very kind, Christine. Was in my opening, I mentioned that some leaders, business leaders, are reluctant because of the concept of privacy, sharing data with competitors, hacking is always that's a pervasive issue with any any kind of putting data anywhere that somebody could say, I'm going to go get that data. Is, is it true that there's this hesitancy? Just quickly, what what's your observation there? Are they Obviously. scared about? Obviously. So I just had uh, come from a discussion with someone, a Europe, really uh, European um, yeah, chief data officer, uh, who t 
actually has exactly this cultural shift to uh, address within this organization because they um, have a good business case to share data in the sort of retail and consumer goods industries. It ha the company has a long tradition, but still there is hesitation and there's really uh, this opening up requires basically a mindset shift also. Thank you. Reality check from Christine. We appreciate that. And let's go around the table to another returning guest, Maria Villar. So happy to see you. Maria, you've got great experience with data. That's part of one of your earlier titles. So why don't you reintroduce yourself? I think, Maria, to the same 10 people who might not have remembered Wolfgang. Talk to those 10 people. Go ahead, Maria. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. And I, I love being back here and, and having this panel discussion with, with two people that, and three people that I, I respect so much. So yeah, I'm, I'm Maria Villar. Uh, I work at SAP with Wolfgang. I've been with SAP now. It's going to be 11 years. Uh, the first seven, I was their ch chief data officer. So I had that operational experience of having to be a, a, that data executive that builds programs from the ground up. I've done that three other times, so certainly my passion and my experience has been having those scars and badges of having to be a data executive that builds programs from the ground up. And now I have the funnest job in the world. I say that all the time because now and over the last four years, uh, I've been really working with customers and partners and uh, outside of SAP helping uh, executives understand the value of data and how to manage it effectively. Um, and I would say this topic of ecosystems, I know you're going to ask me now because I've been on the show before, uh, this really is a topic that's become super interesting for me. I mean, one of the talk tracks and one of the key messages that I give to audiences um, in my webinars and blogs is around a data strategy and how important it is to have a data strategy. And, and what I'm seeing is the importance of having these data ecosystems as part of your strategy and as part of your um, and as part of your remit, and it's an exciting new area because it's not new. Um, Christine has had a tremendous amount of experience on this, but it's new in the ease and the importance of it. And so uh, I'm really passionate about it now, and and think it's a great topic to talk about. Thank you very much, Maria. Thank you for answering my question before I asked it, because you, you, you've been around the panel block a few times. I appreciate that. Thank you all for the introductions. I'm, I'm very excited to have you all here because, because of your passion and your experience. This is a sensitive topic. We talk about value add. We talk about innovation. But there are, there are risks involved. There is work involved. And that's what we're trying to do is share your insights, your expertise with listeners around the world who might say, oh, data ecosystem. I, I couldn't even imagine that. There are mind shifts involved, right, Christine? And there are risks involved. So we're going to talk about some of that. But before we get to that, this is the part of the show where I've asked my guest to send me a quote from a fictional movie character, TV character, or a song lyric that has absolutely nothing to do with the topic. And then when I read the quote with a little bit of background, a little bit of trivia for our listeners around the world, I'm going to ask each of them to explain in their own words how they think and believe it does relate to our topic. So we're going to have a little fun here. Wolfgang Epting has sent me a quote from, uh, let's see, Sherlock Holmes, played by Robert Downey Jr. in the movie Sherlock Holmes. A 2009, was it really that long ago? Wolfgang, 2009 period mystery action film. It also is in the book, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, 1887, A Study in Scarlet. Interesting. And here is the quote. There are two versions. I'm going to read the one Wolfgang sent me. Never theorize before you have data. Invariably, you end up twisting facts to suit theories instead of theories to suit facts. 
Okay, I let you have a quote with the word data in it just because Sherlock Holmes is so cool. Go ahead, Wolfgang, you're up. <laughs> yeah, Bonnie, uh, what do you think? Um, how many cognitive biases um, do we know? I don't know. How many? <laughs> Millions? Yeah, yeah um, I was a little bit surprised. I stumbled about um, an infographic. So, you know, this um, type of um, images where you can um, have a lot of information within it. And um, there I found all the cognitive biases um, within one image. If you like, I can um, share it later on uh, with you. It's, it's, more, it's more than uh, 200 cognitive biases. So that means um, without data, you are just another person with an opinion. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and there is uh, a famous there is a famous quote that says yeah. if, if you're just using opinions use mine I, I remember whether it was uh, <laughs> Rucker or somebody if you don't have data yeah use my opinion go ahead Wolfgang <laughs> yeah absolutely and um, I think um, we we generally as uh, human beings beings we tend um, to believe what we want to believe uh, so for example the familiarity bias uh, so would say that uh, in investor puts her money in what she knows and um, not um, what would be the, the most um, promising um, solution. And um, so, but if we, if we rely our decisions, our business decisions, or also other decisions on data, I think we can make better decisions. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And it's always a question of whose data, how fresh is it? Where did it come from? Who handled it? Who massaged it? Who managed it? Where is it sitting? Is it new? Is it old? Is it sensitive, right? All kinds of questions about what the value of data is, but we are relying on, the, we're using the word data. And then the question is, is it data or datum? Is it plural or singular? We won't get into semantics here today. Maria's nodding, yes. <laughs> Let's go to, am I, can I just call you Christine or shall I call you formally Professor Dr. Christine Legner? How do you want to be addressed? We, no, no professor needed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say Christine. Christine has sent us a quote from The Robots. It's a song by Kraftwerk, German electronic music group. The single and its B-side, Space Lab, appeared on the band's seventh album, The Man Machine. Interesting title. The songs were edited into shorter versions. And here, I'm going to stop. Here is the quote. We're charging our battery, and now we're full of energy. I love this, Christine. You got to explain this to us. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so, I mean... Actually, when I sent you the message, I was on holidays. <laughs> I was charging my batteries <laughs> to be full of energy for this um, show here. Um, so I think that's one side of the uh, of the quote. Um, the other one is uh, actually, I mean, Kraftwerk is a really old uh, and very uh, renowned band, uh, and I really love their concerts. And they have this idea about basically all this electronic world, uh, the computers, the robots, and so on. But uh, if we uh, view at it from today, I mean, um, the robots, they are everywhere, obviously, um, and um, yeah, quite different than what they actually um, yeah, make us think about. So it's not at all these robots, uh, okay, very um, restricted to a couple of uh, functionality, but it's basically, it's the chatbots around us and they all work with data. So uh, I think we're in a situation where a lot of batteries are charged to do, to do more with data. And I'm really curious about how this actually will evolve in the next year. So this is why I think this quote is just there to actually show us, okay, we're 
at the beginning of, um, I think, quite a revolution in cognitive computing and all types of very humanoid robots um, that we're engaging with. But at the end, they rely on data and data ecosystems probably. Thank you very much. And it's always a question. Wolfgang was talking about biases, right? Uh, who programs the robots? Who starts, who writes the AI algorithm? Who mm -hmm. engages them? Who sets up the machine learning? Teaching them what from whom? There's usually a person somewhere in that. It's like a traffic jam. And there's one person sitting at the front of that traffic jam who stopped or hesitated or changed lanes. There's always an origin. So very interesting. Thank you, Christine. And Maria has sent us one of our favorite quotes from Back to the Future. That character is Doc Emmett Brown, played by Christopher Lloyd, speaking to Marty McFly, played by Michael J. Fox. The movie, American sci-fi adventure comedy film series, that's a mouthful, 1985, 1989, 1990. And Doc Brown, his full name is Emmett Lathrop, Doc Brown, PhD. We got to include that. The inventor of the time machine built out of a 1981 DeLorean sports car. Do the math. 81, that was 19. We're in 2021 20, now. 19 and 21, I think that's 40. Oh my goodness, it's old. Here's the quote. Roads, where we're going, we won't need roads. I do a terrible Christopher Lloyd impersonation here. Maria, what does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Yeah, well, look, it's so funny because when, you know, when we do a panel with you, Bonnie, you give us homework. And so we have to actually <laughs> do homework and, and look at uh, quotes. I mean, we may not have them top of mind, so we start to study quotes. And so I looked at a lot of quotes, and that's the one that really sang to me, that, that really talked to me. And maybe because there's a personal side to it, I seem to be in my own personal career and in my own life the first one to do something, either in my family, in my career, you know, being that data executive 20 years ago when that job wasn't done. So I, I kind of feel like I've never followed a road. And so that's why that, uh, that uh, sang to me when I, when I looked at it. And then if I look at this topic, right, the topic of data ecosystems and the topic of data, um, there is a lot of innovation that's going on in our space, not just innovation on the technology, but in the innovation and in, in the principles. And and we have to follow these principles in order to do some new and exciting things around data sharing and data e ecosystems. So I thought that it applied both personally and uh, for the topic and professionally for, for the data topic in general. Thank you. Where we're going, we won't need roads. And certainly there's so much has changed. Look, we're now in tomorrow is September 1st, 2021. Did we ever think we'd get through 2020? I'm not going to make any commentary. And here we are in 2021 and things have changed, but they haven't. And we don't know where anything's going. And data is a key to our lives, whether you're just watching the news, whether you're looking at how you should behave personally, professionally, data, 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 it's here. And where we are going, we don't need roads. Well, I don't know about that. We, we're probably going to go to the Jetsons era sometime soon, Maria Villar. We're going to just be flying around in these cool cards. I'm getting, my uh, my audio is feeding back on somebody's mic, so I'll talk a little bit less. Wolfgang Epting, it's time for the very serious part of the show. We've had too much fun already. Let's go to the round table. I've asked my guests, speaking of homework, Maria didn't mention that in addition to the quote, I asked my guests for four discussion statements each on the topic. I will pick one from each of you. I will read it. I'm going to read statement number one from Wolfgang. I put it in the chat for you. I will read it and ask Wolfgang to expand it, or as they say on the news shows, on 
packet. Then we're going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to ask Dr. Christine Legner. Christine, she said I could just call her Christine. To agree or disagree with Wolfgang, don't be afraid to disagree with him. Christine is a very nice person. And then I'm going to ask <laughs> Maria to agree or disagree with either or both of you. You've got your work cut out for you, Maria. Then I'll go back to Wolfgang for comments. Anything you want to say back to your co-panelists? At that point, I will have selected a statement from Christine's list. I'll put it in the chat for you. We'll go around and so everybody will get to lead a conversation starter and react to it. So let's get started. Wolfgang sent me the following statement, number one. The success of a data ecosystem strategy depends on data availability and digitization or digitization, APA readiness, API readiness to enable integration, data privacy and compliance. For example, GDPR, we all love our general data protection regulation and user access in a distributed setup. Wolfgang, this has about 12 topics in it. So why don't you pick one of those and enlighten us? Go ahead, Wolfgang. Yeah, so I think there are many opportunities to participants in data ecosystems, but there are also a lot of challenges. One, um, what I see is, is trust. In order to um, have people share their data, they um, have to trust uh, in um, the privacy of their data. And this is um, something that is maybe um, having building blocks in the architecture that can provide um, data security and data privacy in uh, data ecosystems. But on the other hand, um, also the, the guarantee that, for example, personal identifiable information can be shared in order to uh, be compliant with legal regulations, for example, um, GDPR. I recently contributed to a book which is, uh, was published uh, recently here, which is called Digital Ecosystems, Strategies, KI, AI, and Platforms. And there I uh, wrote an article about um, how uh, data privacy can, for example, be used in data ecosystems. If you look at the complete topic of AI, for example, um, there we very often um, have to use huge amounts of data in order to train our models, also sensitive data, which people do not want um, to share. And we have, uh, have to have proper um, technologies and um, things in order to protect the data. Could it be anonymization? Could it be encryption or whatever? Uh, it's not so that we do not have these technologies, but there have to be a lot more clarity out there also not only from the companies but also from the legal departments and and from the legal side what kind of technologies can be used in order to protect the data in data ecosystem to give people and companies more security and more guarantee and more trust in sharing their data keyword trust let's go around the table christine agree or disagree with anything or everything <laughs> that wolfgang shared go ahead christine yeah so i think trust always is a big factor uh if you have some let's say relationships uh and a data ecosystem in a way is a relationship between many parties um i perhaps would like to um however um, dig a little bit deeper on this question about do we trust and privacy, what is the aspect of privacy? Mm -hmm. I think the recent uh, crisis is actually a very good example. Um, and we did some studies here in Switzerland, Germany and, and European countries on whether people, I mean, individuals would share their data to somehow um, in, in the situation of COVID. Uh, and that could be their location data, their health data, for example. And we found out that there is basically there are multiple segments uh, of uh, 
individuals. So some that would share and that were very open because they see the benefits of it. So it's not only trust, but it's also seeing benefits of sharing, whereas others are completely the opposite. They would never share, even if they could trust uh, perhaps the, um, I don't know, the, the COVID app, for example, that we have here in the country. So I think it's a very difficult theme because it's not only trust, but what is my actual uh, benefit of sharing or what is my benefit of being part of a data, data ecosystem. And what we have to respect is there are some probably some uh, people or also some companies that see a lot of values and others perhaps not at all. And we have to be a little bit, let's say, um, oh, you have to accommodate these preferences uh, in the sense of um, uh, something or giving people also the options okay do i want do they want to basically share and get perhaps value-added services or perhaps they just stick to the minimum um, or they perhaps at least um, do not um, do not participate in an ecosystem and perhaps they will be out of business or if they're a company or they will not get at all certain uh, levels of um, of services so I would be um, or I would be very much in favor of seeing that level or putting trust also in relation to some benefits that you get out of it and then also personal preferences of what you want to trust and perhaps which risks you want to basically uh, get along to perhaps have some value add and Corona is a is a good uh, is a good um, example. And what actually was very positive about trust, um, we had in our studies, and there are a couple of studies going on in different countries that show that many individuals are actually very willing to donate their data for the better. Uh, basically for better research about some of the diseases uh, that or pandemic that we see at the moment, but also for the public good. And that requires basically data ecosystems that allow give us the possibility to also donate our data uh, so that it can be analyzed by researchers or it can be used to, I don't know, optimize um, some infrastructures here in our cities. So, and that's something that I find quite inspirational. So people trust, yes, but they also want to have uh, reasons why they should trust certain uh, platforms and uh, the part partners that will basically process their data. Thank you, Christine. A lot, a lot of good information there. And the question of, of donating or contributing data is a social mindset change. I think from what we've seen over the years, the wanting to contribute to the common good. And we know that very often we talk about young people not being aware that every time they post something on a social channel, they're sharing something about themselves that will stick possibly forever and com could come back to bite them somewhere that's very uncomfortable. So in this case, it's I'm willing to share my data because I want to contribute and I want it to be part of a bigger data picture that will help other people and myself. Thank you. Big Mind Shift, Maria Villar. Join us. Thoughts? You've got a lot to talk about here. What do you think? I know, I know. There's such good points that have already been made, and really, it's hard to argue with Christine. One of the one of the reasons I enjoy having her on a panel is that she makes an argument. It's backed up by facts and research, right? So she is absolutely a, a data a data person uh, through and through. So look, I, I think trust is an important factor. But before we start diving into that characteristic, I, I want to raise it up a level and talk about what do we mean by an ecosystem? Because I think a lot of times we, you know, we as data people, we throw out terms that are new, are great for us, but they're not, uh, they're new to 
uh, or confusing to those that might be listening to us. So, so you did say an ecosystem is, is a platform for sharing, but I just want to unpack that a little bit and say, well, how can you share, right? You can, you can do a one-to-one exchange, one company with another company. That's, that's, an, that's part of an ecosystem or, or it's certainly a way that you can implement an ecosystem. It could be one-to-many, like your company is part of a consortium, like the consortium that Christine has. It could be, you know, one-to-one in some sort of industry sharing. Uh, So in COVID, you had uh, data sharing between different industries. So you had hospitals and you had research and you had the drug companies, right? And, and, And all of those were sharing. And then there's also internal data sharing. Let's not forget about that. It's not easy in some industries, government and others in particular, to share data across the, you know, their ecosystem and their institution. And I, I, all of those areas, all of those implementations of a data ecosystem have benefits and they also have um, some risk. And while they share some things, you really have to think about, as I think as Christine and Wolfgang said, what is the value? Before you go dig into that, what is the value that I want to get around, that, around sharing data? Because it is hard work to get all of the pieces together to do that and including the culture change. So that's how I would add to what Christine and Wolfgang were saying is, hey, let's let's unpack it a little and know that there are many different ways to implement them and each has, has its own reward. And it's not just about sharing personal data. It's really about sharing other kinds of data sometimes that you that the company can't get themselves. Thank you, Maria. Good good to get more level setting. We appreciate that. It is a big topic to get your arms around. Wolfgang, talk back to us. What do you think about what your co-panelist said? Yes, uh, maybe um, let me add another aspect. So, Christine, and also you, Maria, you talked about um, the value that um, companies and people get, uh, get from data ecosystems. But um, so, for example, if you look at the financial services industries and all the uh, fintechs and insurtechs, I think these kind of players, they are born with data. They do not come from traditional industries. They are used to share data. They are used to have other business models. And um, so in certain industries, I think um, the question is not what can I get as a value out of data e- ecosystem. So might be it's a little bit dramatically what I say now. The question here is, uh, do I share my data or do I have I am I disrupted from the market? Um, so this could be another aspect to to look into uh, data ecosystems. Thank you very much. Good around the table. I'm going to go to a starter from Christine. I'm looking at your statement number one. I put it in the chat for you. Interesting. You say data ecosystems offer the greatest opportunity for data-driven innovations, and that's what we're talking about today. But here's what I want you to focus on, please, Christine. Without data ecosystems, the promises of big data and advanced analytics will never be reached. I want that to resonate with our listeners around the world. This has motivated, she says, the European data strategy and the initiatives to create data spaces in crucial sectors, sustainability, energy, mobility, health, agriculture, manufacturing, and finance. Christine, spend three or four minutes. Tell us more about this. Very interesting. Go ahead. 
Yeah, so I think we are at the moment uh, full of ideas what we could do if we had advanced analytics using big data. And many of the scenarios that are being discussed and that may be in industrial sectors like, okay, predictive maintenance for machine. It could be in healthcare, uh, detecting some diseases at a very early stage. Uh, it could be in sustainability. I mean, finding new, more energy efficient ways of actually working. Um, or having smart um, devices basically helping you with that. So all of these ideas basically require that we have bring together a lot of data in one place so that we can afterwards um, run algorithms on that. And what is very interesting, basically, if you start, and that may be a machinery company that has basically a produced machine for a long time and then um, starts actually integrating some sensors in that machine. And in almost all the cases that I know of this, a company, even though perhaps they think they own the data that this machine produces later at the customer side, it's not as clear. And at least, I mean, you have to have some gateway on how to collect this data from all your customers so that you can analyze it. And probably it's not only the machine, but your machine may have components from different suppliers. So suddenly this ecosystem somehow gets into play and it's a hard, really hard um, um, a task to basically find out how data should actually flow so that you have all the data to come up with your predictive maintenance um, model and then also put that back into practice. So you would need uh, people that services machines and so on. Similar we have in healthcare, for example, I think there's much more obvious for everybody that uh, obviously you have patient data, you have the medical specialists, you have hospitals and so on and insurances. So um, what is interesting about that Obviously, I mean, uh, there are scenarios where it is in the interest of everybody, actually, that we have better information for decision making um, and perhaps to have longer lives uh, of your, our assets, but also of ourselves. Um, and the European data strategy that I mentioned in my quote actually puts uh, that on the table. And uh, here in Europe, we have several initiatives. Um, Wolfgang also mentioned some of them to actually create what we call data spaces. So some type of platforms that allow us to share data with an institutional framework, because it's not just a technical platform where we put the data on, but it's clear who can actually do what with this data so that we have clarified uh, the rights and also the obligations um, where we have also business models that are uh, clear. So is that something that can be used for commercial purposes by whom, by um, who actually has rights on this data. So all of that is typically quite difficult if you look in these data ecosystems and if you look in the more complex ones. And it's quite interesting to see, I mean, strategic intents are always one thing, and then you have to come up with your proof of concept um, and actually make this data ecosystem work. And uh, this is um, where I think we see some, some first examples of this data. Uh, spaces, but still for me, that's more like the next decade to actually work on. Um, but it's a fundamental um, yeah, platform for a data ecosystem. Yeah. Thank you very much, Christine. Maria, you're right now virtually sitting next to Christine, whether you know it or not. <laughs> so why don't you agree or disagree? And then Wolfgang will, will tee you up next. Go ahead, Maria. I wish I was with Christine. Look at that background. Look at that place where she gets to work. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. I think I want to um, be a little bit controversial here because this is a raging debate around data, which is um, how much data is good enough. 
And uh, more data is not always the, the, the answer. And, and we have to kind of make those right decisions about, is it more data that we want or is it data of a different kind? And what part, part of what the ecosystem provides you is really the capability and the opportunity to get data that you don't have yourself in the company. And that's becoming so much more important in the world of COVID because everything in the past has really changed uh, in terms of behaviors and, and economic models. And, and, and so the predictions of things in the future, just using data that you had internally is not gonna be good enough. And so I think so, you know, you've gotta look at these ecosystems as a way to get different data, not just more data, especially more data of the same kind actually brings more issues because now which one of these, which one of these sources is, is the correct one. So there is again, there's there's a there's a judgment call um, there that you have to apply in in all these ecosystems. So that's sort of point number one is to say it's not all about getting more data. It's it's, it's about getting more valuable data to to lead innovation and to lead new insights. The other comment that I would make, and I find this fascinating when I work with with Wolfgang and Christine, is Europe is leading the way here, and on the one side. Europe has had the toughest privacy laws, right? They, they're the innovators of all this. Mm -hmm. And yet then on the other side, they're the innovators about sharing data and this data strategy and these, these data spaces. And the US is lagging behind. And I, I think I love that controversy, but it's you know really interesting to see what they're doing over there. Thank you, Maria. We love controversy. Let's go to Wolfgang. Which which side of that controversy or not are you going to take? Wolfgang, join us. Yeah, I want to pick up um, two um, two aspects of what uh, Christina um, said. So Christina mentioned that there is um, a data strategy from the EU. Uh, I think it was pub being published uh, two years ago. And but uh, did you know that there is also an AI strategy from the EU? And if you look into the AI strategy, you, you will find a lot of things about uh, data sovereignty. This is another topic that we very often uh, put into the discussion about what does this uh, really mean? So from my point of view, I think um, it comes down, down to data governance. And um, data governance is not new, as we all know, but <laughs> everybody looks uh, upon data governance on, on different angles. So is there a defense and an offense strategy? How can you implement uh, data governance? And as Christina mentioned, uh, data governance is not easy to implement in a single company. And uh, to implement data governance in a data ecosystem is much more uh, difficult. So if you look at uh, what is just uh, going on at the moment, it's more groundwork where we put together guidelines, architecture patterns, and things like that, how data sovereignty uh, really um, can work uh, in order to, um, to determine who is responsible um, for what before we can go to the, to the next step, really, and putting data ecosystems in place. Thank you, Wolfgang. Christine, great conversation starter. Anything you'd like to say back to your two co-panelists before I <laughs> go to the next topic with Maria? Christine, what do you think? Yes, um, I definitely like the statement from Maria so that actually we do not necessarily need more data, but in a way better data is the core. And um, if I Thank see you. this um, this ecosystem topic a little bit, um, 
I, I'm very much um, against basically putting everything that we have into one, I don't know, new database, whether it's virtualized or uh, whether it's somewhere sitting. So that's definitely not the best strategy. Uh, but I think looking into an ecosystem, for example, really um, if, uh, thinking about who has the source of the information, the most trustworthy information, and can that possibly be shared instead of having, I don't know, five, ten, one hundred thousand uh, people trying to actually capture the same information, but with a kind of bad copy. So this is something that I think could be done via ecosystems. And I see it as a patient, for example, uh, at the moment, I mean, I had a shoulder up, uh, I had an accident, I had to undergo shoulder surgery, and I take all my information with me and I <laughs> basically put it, um, give it to my physio, to my the next specialist and so on. So I would love to have a sh way of sharing my <laughs> information in a better way. Um, and I think that's, but that requires also this mindset, mind shift um, that we talked about earlier, because that would completely, I mean, it, it meets other processes and people somehow are used to basically collect the information in their silos. So, but let's, let's try to really do this baby steps in ecosystem. So um, to open up some of our good data to others so that we can basically uh, make better decisions or have also not uh, all these inefficiencies of collecting data all the time. So I very much uh, appreciate that uh, that feedback from Maria. And Wolfgang, you're right. I mean, um, the, the ultimate issue is, okay, who is actually responsible for all that data in an ecosystem then? And how can we actually uh, create simple rules? And I think simple here is very important. Uh, because at the end, it's uh, we have to have some governance um, on these data ecosystems. But um, I, well, this is the big future. But I believe very much that we have to learn from very very small pilots and uh, mm -hmm. um, and really don't. I mean, having the big picture in mind, but then doing our baby steps in opening up very easy, perhaps um, pieces of information that could be valuable for others. And that's what I like about this topic. I mean, we, we have to somehow have the vision, yes, uh, with all the complexity. But on the other hand, and that's also in that data strategy in a way that instead of saying, okay, well, in 20 years or in 10 years or in five years, we are going to have X or Y, uh, basically, uh, we, are, we try something out. So we um, actually create these data spaces uh, to get some experiences and to experiment with that. So that's very important, I think, in topics like data, topics uh, most importantly, because there's much unknown. And perhaps if we just theoretically think about it, it may be too complex. But if we do some baby steps, then we learn and then we can adjust. Thank you, Christine. Lots of great information. I thought that was a goal five, ten years ago to have your medical information follow you in a linked, unsiloed system where wherever you went in this country, I'm in the US or anywhere in Europe, that data would travel with you on some kind of a data ecosystem where you wouldn't have to fill out those 15 page forms every time you went to a doctor and start all over again. And here we are still filling out those forms. I'm going to stop there. Let's go to another topic, talking about responsibility, talking about silos. Here's Maria's number three statement, a lot of good stuff to talk about. Maria says, the data sharing decisions should involve a cross-section of the company to ensure all the risks are considered 
and mitigated. That's two-pronged, right? Considered and mitigated, including, here's the list, the CIO, the CDO, the CISO, Chief Security Officer, the Chief Privacy Officer, and any other C people who have their name on the back of their chair or on the little name tag on the table or on Zoom underneath their name. So, Maria, who are all these people? What is their roles and what are their roles and responsibility? Is any one of these C-suite more important than the others in creating the data, data ecosystem and deciding dare to share? And who, who helps to mitigate the risks? Governance. Maria, unpack this for us. We've got 12 minutes left to the show. So Maria, take this and then we'll go around the table quickly. Go ahead. So look, I, I think it's been perfectly clear through this panel that the, uh, the, the way in, in which you share data and the processes, it, it's more than technology. And if you look at any data topic in a data strategy, you've got to work on the people side, the standards, the process, the, the roles and responsibilities, the metrics, the ROI. So it, it, and then the risk, right? The risk of the privacy risk, the security risk, the, 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 uh, the risk of giving away data that's valuable. So assessing the data that you want to share versus the data that you want to keep. But all of that is a comprehensive process. And that's why I say you got to involve the, your data voices. I like to call them data voices. Those are in the company that have a point of view around the, the data. Um, which role is better? Uh, which role should lead? Oftentimes it is the chief data officer that, that leads and combines uh, all the other data voices at the right point of view. I don't think any, any one role is, is better than the other. Maybe the CFO also makes sure that we've got the money to spend on that because, it, again, it isn't free. You've got to build infrastructure. You may have some licensing and all that. But all of them should be part of of the decision of what data to share, what data not to share, what are the risks, how do you mitigate the risk, uh, what's the culture change, the leadership uh, at the top that's going to be required, especially against any resistance to this. And so it is a comprehensive change management that uh, that companies have to go through. And I like the I like Christine's advice, start off small, but even when you start off small, you still have to have all those considerations because what you don't want is a small project to go bad and then then no more projects around data sharing will be sponsored. So you've got to make sure the, the first ones are done right and comprehensively. And then the more you do them, the more you can add processes to make it simpler and easier to make these decisions and to use technology to really enable that, that data sharing and that data protection. Thank you, Maria. Let's go to Wolfgang. You're right now sitting next to Maria. Go ahead, Wolfgang. Agree or disagree if you dare. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, somewhat uh, disagree. I think um, you have to have C-level um, support in order to um, to go that way to data ecosystems. But it's not a question of data um, data alone, the data strategy of a company. So if you look at um, the, the role of the CDO, this was much uh, discussed and it's not so popular in our region uh, here as in the US, for example, but I think it's a strategic um, decision for any company to, to, uh, to move into that way. So we have uh, maybe a little bit of a higher uh, intervention also from the CEO, the CFO, uh, in order for a company to, um, to realize the benefits and uh, to make this um, mind shift in order to invest in data ecosystems. Thank you very much. Christine, join us. Agree or disagree with either or both. You're up. 
Um, I like this idea of data voices. Uh, I would extend it a little bit beyond uh, just basically the management um, because mm -hmm. what we see um, is basically, and we have um, a community running that actually companies share data. They share data about their business partners, so not the individuals, but uh, the companies. And they also somehow work together in maintaining this data. So instead of everybody maintaining his or her database, it's just basically a collaborative effort. And if you uh, put, and that's basically not necessarily your competitive information that you're sharing, but very um, there's a good business case behind. And what we have learned from that is actually you have to have um, uh, a lot of people involved um, on the operational side that understand why this makes sense, because the intuitive way is, oh, why should I share? And uh, it's the same within a company uh, as out with outside with a partner. So for sharing, you need uh, basically the voices, not only from top management. Yes, we should do that. But people have to be convinced that's the right way to do. And uh, that may and that may be different motivations. So for many of them, obviously, it's also like perhaps the benefits for their individual function. They have less to work. Uh, they can trust basically that. Uh, the quality of the data that ultimately they have at uh, disposal is better. So um, I would say, yes, um, uh, there have been a lot of, it's a community effort, it gets a community effort. And um, yeah, so we have to convince uh, people and also um, then um, tell them a little bit what it means also. Uh, and that means creating communities also. So the community, the voices, of course, but the voices at different levels. Thank you very much. Maria, anything you want to say back to the others? Yeah, I would say, look, it depends on, we go back to the different kinds of ecosystems. And I think the different kinds of ecosystems would require different levels of executive commitment. I mean, I know that when we were involved with Christine in doing that work of collaborating on sharing the, the, you know, this account data across companies, I didn't go to my CEO. Um, to, and I, I don't think he needed to be involved in that decision. If the sharing in the ecosystem is with a consortium or in a in a, in a big in a bigger way for a, from a digital transformation, then absolutely you got to need the top. But but you can start off by doing some sharing um, in in smaller ways and in ecosystems like uh, data marketplaces where you can you, know, uh, you can use the data in the marketplace. But again, you're going to need money and you're going to need to work on all these other um, all these other parts of the of the enablement and that's why you can't do it alone but doesn't, to me it doesn't always require uh, the CEO to be involved it depends on the on the level and, and that you're going to do. Thank you very much good conversation started Maria I have a question for the panel we're going to go to our crystal ball predictions round 60 seconds each question is we didn't really talk I don't remember if we talked about the issue of competitors being in the same data ecosystem we talked about privacy we talked about trust but uh, I used the word competition, uh, competition, competition on a show last week. And one of my guests said the 90s called they wanted their word back. <laughs> it's, an, it's an old it's an old term and we don't say that anymore. So I didn't say it here. So is there a danger if competitors who want to innovate together and build together, if they share data, is, is that part of the trust and risk? Just a quick yes and no around the table. Wolfgang, uh, one, two sentences. What's your thought? And then we'll go around. Yeah, of course, if um, if you look at the mindset um, at the moment, um, people fear they do not dare to share at the moment because they, they really are concerned about um, 
um, in, in the competition to, to fall behind their, their competitors. Um, but I think this will change uh, because more and more people uh, realize that also in their markets, in their industries, they will get more benefit if they start to, uh, to share that data. Thank you. Christine, quick thoughts? I, I don't know if we'll have time for crystal ball. This may be our crystal ball prediction. <laughs> Christine, sharing data with competitors, and we know industry lines are blurring all over the world. Yeah, so yes. is that part of it? Go ahead, Christine. Yes, it is definitely. If you look at especially IoT, Internet of Things, which is also one topic here, uh, it has to be also between competitors. And um, so in that regard, there are some interesting ecosystems to look at also where this starts. And I, it, as Maria said, there are a number of different types of ecosystems and are the ones that are really competitive and where you have to choose. Yes, does it make sense or not? But definitely um, there are ecosystems oftentimes comprise companies from different industries and partners that you have traditionally not partnered with. So including your competitors. Thank you, Maria. Words of wisdom from you. What do you think? Yeah, the answer is yes. I mean, we already see them. There's there's all sorts of consortiums around specific industries like automotive and others. So yeah, it's 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 been happening for a while and it's going to continue. And and I think that's especially when you're getting a competitive uh, data sharing is when you really start to have to get that CEO involvement, right? That that's that's the kind of a decision that cannot be made um, by yourself. It has to be made with the right company endorsement. Thank you. So let's do an abbreviated lightning round crystal ball. My question to all of you, first Wolfgang, then Christine, then Marie, and I've got about two minutes left before I have to close. And the question is, if we met again, the four of us, in August 2025, four years from today, let's say, I think my math is right there, four years from today, August 31st, would we still be talking about data ecosystem as something that needs to be in baby steps, Christine, that needs to have cooperation among different parts of a company so that there's trust and they're sharing among competitors for the value add of different types of innovation. Would we still be talking about this? One sentence from each of you, and it's a short sentence. Wolfgang, yes or no, and one sentence. Yes, we will. Um, I recently presented at a, at a um, conference which was, uh, was called uh, CDO Natives, and there I learned that uh, companies, startups, not only startups, but uh, newer companies, they are they are born with data. We often use the term born in the cloud, but there's also companies which are born with data. They have a complete uh, different uh, mindset looking looking on data. And for them, it's, um, it's more clear to, to share data. I think in uh, 2025, we will not be at the, that point that everybody realized that uh, data sharing brings big benefits, but um, I think we are way ahead in, in the process than um, where, where we are now at the moment. Thank you. That was one very long sentence. Christine, you get one. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, so I'm, uh, it will be actually, uh, we will be moving from this more pilot and experimentation state to a more productive state. And if I look at the European data strategy to come back to that, I really look forward in 2025, you said, uh, to see these uh, emerging data spaces. They will still not be at their full uh, or grown to the full extent, but they will be very tangible for all of us. Thank you. Maria, last word. Yeah, my prediction is the, the rate and pace of sharing data inside companies and the culture change is going to move slower than the rate and pace of sharing data outside the company. 
Thank you. Very provocative. I am so grateful to the three of you for sharing your insights. You're all obviously extremely smart, extremely well, uh, well-versed in this topic. And I hope that our audience, I know our audiences around the world will benefit from all of the words of wisdom you shared. Another shout out to Dana Corder and Ira Burke at SAP for sponsoring this series. A shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire. Aaron started working with me three years ago. He was 26. Now he's 62. I put him through his paces, you know. <laughs> He's weathered the storm. So here's my call to action. Bonnie D. Graham, almost signing off. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Wolfgang Epting. Thank you, Wolfgang. Always a pleasure. Just like Christine Legner. Such a delight to meet you, and you are so smart, and thank you for your wisdom. And Maria Villar, really appreciate you. It's always wonderful to have you. You're such a straight shooter, so clear in what you're what you think about these topics, Maria. Always I learn a lot. Everybody wave goodbye. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 